Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Thank you for attending Apple Inc.'s product launch for 2023. Today, we are not only introducing Apple's newest state-of-the-art technology, we are also introducing Apple's new CEO, Steve Jobs' long-lost son, Steve Jobs Jr. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. Such a pleasure. Right, let's cut the music. Let's cut the music. I just have to start paying royalties. Thank you for attending Apple Inc.'s 2023 plug of our product launch. Let's give it a round of applause for Apple. Come on, guys. Come on. I have been waiting two and a half years for this day. We have been at the forefront of technology for decades. 1984, Apple brought you the Macintosh computer. It not only changed the way we use computers, it changed the computer industry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 2001, Apple brought you the Apple iPhone. This not only changed the way we listen to music, the Apple iPod, thank you. Steve Wozniak, people, thank you, thank you, Steve. The Apple iPod. The Apple iPod not only changed the way we listen to music, it changed the way the music industry works. Thank you, thank you, thank you, actually thank you. And finally, 2007, the iPhone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This not only changed the way we use technology, it changed the world. And today, I have a very new exciting product to introduce to you. Introducing the I am phone, where technology and spirituality meet together. Previous generations could have only dreamed of this kind of technology, people. This is at the forefront of spiritual technology. With the Apple iPhone, you have the word of God at the touch of your finger in over 70 translations in over 50 different languages. With the I am phone, you can listen to any worship song that has ever been recorded in history, from the latest release all the way back to the oldest psalms recorded in any genre that you can desire. With the I Am Phone, there are devotionals, sermons from the center, and churches all around the world, people. We have this library at the tip of our fingertips. But the greatest news about the I Am Phone today, it is already in your hand. With apps and know-how, you too can be at the forefront of spiritual technology. You know, Moses had two holy tablets. Well, now you can have a holy tablet too, the IM pad. All the same functionality as the IM phone. Ladies and gentlemen, the future is now. The IM phone, where heaven meets earth. Thank you. Thank you. All right, some of you thought that was the end of the sermon. It's all right. Some of you were thinking, are we going to have to listen to him do that accent for 20 minutes? It's okay. That was all it was. How much has technology changed over the years? 
Like, it's crazy, isn't it? Does anyone, does anyone remember the Nokia 3310? Does anyone have the Nokia 3310? That thing was an indestructible brick, wasn't it? Like, honestly, you could throw the Nokia 3310 out a car window and it could, like, hit the pavement, get run over by a truck and not miss a beat. That thing was an absolute brick. And it's crazy to think how much technology has changed over the years. Just a couple of years ago, that wasn't that long ago, the old Nokia 3310. And yet today, we have so many opportunities to use technology in ways we could have only imagined a few decades ago. But see, the funny thing is, is these bricks, these bricks were also in Genesis. You're going, what? See, the bricks that we have in our hands today are revolutionary technology, right? But bricks were actually a technology, literal bricks, baked clay made of mud in Genesis that was revolutionary technology for their time. It was something which allowed them to build cities. It literally was culture-bending, world-shattering technology. And then what did the people do in Genesis? They used this technology, these bricks, to build the Tower of Babel. A technology that was originally used to create community, safety, suddenly was separating them. Let's read Genesis 11. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered all over the face of the whole earth. See, it's so ironic, isn't it? They feared being scattered, so they misused technology. And what ended up happening? They were scattered, <laughs> right? The same technology that was made to bring them together, they misused and it ended up drawing them further apart. I think there's more than a lesson to learn for us today, right? And I think that ultimately, Yuval Noah Harari puts it pretty well in his book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. He says, technology isn't bad if you know what you want in life. Technology can help you get it, but if you don't know what you want in life, it will be all too easy for technology to shape your aims for you and take control of your life. Especially as technology gets better at understanding humans, you might increasingly find yourself serving it instead of it serving you. See, bricks aren't bad, but wrong intentions end up making it bad. When we're misused, we end up becoming slaves to them. I think the Israelites also knew something about becoming slaves to their bricks as they were in Exodus, suddenly needing to build an empire for Pharaoh, suddenly using technology not for God's glory, not even for their own glory anymore, but for the glory of someone else, for someone else's gain. Sounds familiar, right? But these same bricks that built the Tower of Babel that ended up being enslaved, or the Israelites ended up being enslaved to in Egypt, also had the potential to bring great glory to God. Bricks is what they used to build Solomon's temple, right? Where God's spirit dwelt. A place where God's people could come together and worship and praise him. They also built this using the same technology of bricks. Now, 
I know it's not that profound to say bricks are neither good or bad, right? They're seen as pretty inane, but that same rule applies to our phones. That same rule applies to any tool that we use. No tool in and of itself is good or bad. It has no consciousness of itself. It's only the way that we use it, whether we use it well or whether we end up becoming slaves to it. Whether it's your iPhone or your iPad or your iWatch, technology isn't good or bad. It's how we use it. So I want to just give us one more image before we jump into some practical ways in which we can use technology well today. I have a question for you. Who can tell me what was in the Ark of the Covenant? Hmm. The Ten Commandments? The Jar of the Manor? One more. Not the iPhone. I think it was a few years before the iPhone came out. The staff, Aaron's staff, which had budded, right? Three things that they had put into this Ark of the Covenant. Hebrews 9, 3 to 4. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Three objects which were a precious collection, commemoration, and celebration of God's presence, of God's power, of God's love in the history of the Israelites. They had intentionally been told by God to put objects into their ark that they were carrying around every day through the wilderness to center them back to God, to not forget his goodness, to remember to always come back to God. And it's not that different today. We can use things that we put into our little ark, right? That we is much less holy than the Ark of the Covenant, but it's this little box that we're carrying around every single day, right? That's what the Israelites were doing. It was this box that they were carrying around every day. They used it to honor God, to point themselves towards God's goodness, to remember God's power. We can do this. See, each of these objects had different functions. You obviously had the gifts of instruction of the tablets, which, which taught the Israelites how to live flourishing lives. You obviously had the manna, which reminded of God's provision, the daily bread which God provided the Israelites in the wilderness, sustaining them day after day, God's provision. And then you had the staff of Aaron, which, I mean, was just such a loaded symbol. It reminded them of some of the plagues of Egypt, that the staff had been a tool in, in starting, right? God's divine power to free them from the tyranny, from the slavery that they were a part of. It also represented the importance of the tribe of Levi, the, the tribe of the priests and the responsibility that they had for Israel as priests. It reminded them that God was the ultimate good shepherd, a staff which led their people into the promised land. And it was also the evidence of a holy blossoming tree of life that Israel would one day have access back into. A super loaded symbol that was really intentional because Ultimately, God knew that humans are so ready to forget, <laughs> so ready to forget the past, so ready to forget his goodness, so ready to forget to look back to him. So what are we putting in our ark to collect, to commemorate, to celebrate God's love, presence and power? What do you have in your phone? What are you using to help tend your spiritual garden?
So I want to first look at apps, okay? Help us in our spiritual practice by using apps well. And a lot of them are probably already going to be on our phone. The first one Mitch mentioned last week is the Notes app. If you've got an iPhone, it's Notes. If you've got an Android, it's Google Keep. If you don't have either of those, you can download OneNote or Evernote for free. But essentially, it's a Notes app on your phone. I used to take notes in church on a hard copy bit of textbook. I'd leave it around everywhere. Let's be real. Like, it just was not practical for me. I left it at church so many times that my senior pastor literally knew who it belonged to. Didn't even have my name on it. He knew because I was leaving it around everywhere. Same thing with my Bible. I was always leaving it at church after service. But when we have something that we're able to take notes in right there during a sermon, we're then able to take it with us during the week. Now, for me, I'll admit, it's probably not that common that God, he has sometimes said, hey, remember that sermon that you listened to a year ago? Why don't you go back and look at the notes? That hasn't happened that many times. I tell you what note-taking has been super helpful for, to help me stay focused during a sermon, to help me stay focused and not distracted during a sermon. Because ultimately, you're sitting at church on a Sunday, listening to a sermon, where do you think the enemy wants your mind to be? Anywhere but here, right? So I think that note-taking during a sermon could be one of the most profound spiritual disciplines that you could take up for the rest of this year. To help us remain focused on what's happening in this meeting as we're trying to learn about God, trying to focus on God. And ultimately, I have in my notes app a little folder just titled Sermons. I've got all these sermons that I've took, taken notes of over the years. That's been a really helpful spiritual discipline for me to remember those sermons, but also just in those moments to focus and that discipline of doing it. The next thing that I do to use in notes is I have a folder called prophecy, right? Which is words of encouragement, words of, you know, exaltation that have been spoken over me over the years. And I think that this is really important because, again, we are so easily going to forget these things that have happened to us, these things that have been spoken over us. I mean, ultimately, how many words of affirmation and encouragement have you had spoken over your life that in hindsight you're like, I don't actually fully remember what was said? Kind of be nice to have a little folder, right, titled words or encouragement or prophecy. It can be whatever you want to call it that just helps you go back to the promises of God in your life. The final folder that I have is prayer, prayer requests. When we say that we're going to pray for people, letting our yeses be yes and our noes be noes, and being intentional about, hey, I am actually going to pray for you. And when I'm in my moment of worship, going back to that folder and looking at my prayer points. It's not only a good way to remember what to pray for, but to look back and reflect on the things that God has answered so many answered prayers that are easily overlooked when we're not going back and reflecting on how God has responded. Another great way to keep record of God's goodness is through a photo album. So for our family, God speaks to us quite a lot through white feathers. White feathers equal God's sort of confirmation or his encouragement. And just the other weekend... Um, front row at Mary and Alex's wedding. Brian is, you know, taking them through their vows and a white feather drops down right in front of them. I didn't care how many times Brian had told us not to pull out our phones. I pulled out my phone and took like a dozen photos. And like, look, was it the best photo in the world? Can we pull up that photo, Keith? 
Um, it's not the best photo in the world. It's not going to win like any National Geographic Photo of the Year awards. It doesn't matter because the job of that photo is to remind me of God's constant goodness. It's just a great way to be remembering and collecting and carrying these things. Because ultimately, when someone comes up to you and says, how do you know that God is real? Or have you ever experienced a miracle? Or what's a time that God has spoken to you? You go, yeah, I could tell you, but why don't I show you? Why don't I show you all the times that God has revealed himself to me, all the times that God has spoken to me? Why don't I show you why I know through my personal experiences, through my records, that God is real? Because we're so ready to forget. And this is a little gold jar of manna that we can have carrying around with us at all times to remind us of God's providence, of his power, of his love. But phones are so much more, obviously, we know than just a little, you know, record keeper. They can also be used really profoundly in our prayer lives. And obviously, the Bible desperately calls us to have a robust prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5, we're called rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mitch also mentioned last week, our staff have committed to praying 2 p.m. every day. We'd love for you to come and join us in person, but realize that's probably not practical for a lot of you. Pop a little reminder in your phone at 2 p.m. Pray with us. We only pray for about half an hour. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. If you're just by yourself, it may just be a couple of little shoots up of praise, uh, shoots up of uh, requests to God. If 2 p.m. doesn't work for you, guess what? Nothing holy about 2 p.m. Put in a timer that works well for you. Put in a timer that works well for your rhythms and your schedules. Because ultimately, this is what we want to be doing. We want to be encouraged and reminded to continue to engage in these spiritual disciplines. And if we have just something really simple popping up once a day, twice a day, it's really going to make a huge difference if we commit to actually responding to those reminders. Because ultimately, the, the staff of Aaron was a reminder to the tribe of Levi, hey, you guys have priestly responsibilities. And now, as Baptists, we believe that we're a priesthood of believers, so we are all now in the tribe of Levi. So it is all of our honor and privilege and responsibility and role to enact that priestly responsibility of engaging in prayer daily, just as the tribe of Levi did. We don't have a special tribe that just looks after prayer. It's not how it works. It's all of us. And it's going to be such a helpful practice as a church as we continue to pray for our own spiritual health, for our friends and family, saved and unsaved, for our community, that the Spirit of God falls afresh on the hills. This is the sort of things that are powerful and can make a huge difference as we're doing it daily as a community. We are all the priests of the tree of Levi. And another job of the priests of Levi was actually singing daily. Now, that may not sound like a lot of fun for some of you. I appreciate maybe music isn't everybody's sort of go-to way of worship. But I'd encourage you, give it a go. See what it looks like to incorporate more music into your spiritual practices during the week outside of this Sunday service. I mean, like literally the Bible has a book of 150 songs, the book of Psalms, right? That is exhorting us and encouraging us and reminding us to sing praises to God. 
Psalm 150 literally ends the book of Psalms with praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Dance to God if that's what works to you. I love dancing with George to worship at home, but that's not everybody's cup of tea. Praise him with the strings and the pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're called to dance and sing and play all types of music honoring God. But we're also called to do it continually. So Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Psalm 104, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. And then Psalm 96 gives us an interesting added commission to what our praise should look like. So we're supposed to do it continuously. We're supposed to do it in all sorts of ways. But we're also supposed to sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Now, tried and tested songs are great, but they can get a bit stale, can't they? I remember my mum, she used to have this old little Holden Astra that had a CD player, and she had this sort of like tradition of buying a new CD, putting it in the player and leaving it there and playing it until literally you almost got a headache when the song started. Like, it was so sick of it. I was like, oh, mum, if I hear Nelly Furtado one more time, I'm going to have, like, PTSD. Like, honestly, just you need to, like, put some Macy Gray in or something. But ultimately, this is going to be the same with our worship. If we want to bring a little freshness into our praise and worship, well, why don't we check out some new songs? Because God knows the human condition. He calls us to continually sing, but he knows that we need variety. So how are we engaging in new musical worship, in continuous musical worship? Well, I downloaded Spotify. You can get the free version that has like an ad every 20 minutes. 20 minutes is a pretty solid block of praise and worship, probably more than most of us are doing daily. Or you can pay a little bit and not get the ads. You can even have like a family membership. That's my plug for Spotify. But ultimately, the great thing about Spotify is you can actually discover new artists on it because there's a really smart little algorithm that listens to what you're already listening to and suggests new songs. So you're constantly discovering new songs of praise. You can also follow a certain artist that you like and it'll give you a little update when a new album comes out. I mean, how else are you going to find out when your favorite worship band, your favorite artist has put out a new song? Is even maybe touring in Australia. How will you know? Well, Spotify can tell you, and it's free. It may sound weird, but over the past three years, Spotify has been one of the most instrumental apps for me in my spiritual growth. Because so I've discovered so many new songs of praise. I've had so many profound moments of worship in my room alone, with our family, just the three of us in the living room. Praise and worship and song is a powerful tool for your spiritual walk. So we've got our jar of manna. Right? To remind us of God's power, presence, and love in our lives. We've got the staff of Aaron, right? which is hopefully going to remind us and encourage us to continue to step up to that responsibility as priests of the tribe of Levi. And we're going to look at the Word of God next week. okay? Because I think there's so much to look at there. There's so many resources, so many strategies. We're going to look at that next week. I might even pull out the black turtleneck again, be excited. But what I want to spend the last few moments of looking at today is for those of us who are currently slaves to our bricks. That's what I want to finish on today. 
I don't want to bang on about it, but I think as a brother in Christ, it would be a disservice if I didn't mention it. God sees your browsing history. God sees our browsing history. He sees what we've bought. He sees what we've written online. He sees what we've watched. God sees our browsing history. And clearing it doesn't make us any more holy. Only Jesus can truly clear our browsing history. Amen? That's all I'm going to say about that. I think God will be doing enough convicting in you. But Jesus tells us clearly in Matthew 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. If Jesus is willing to talk this intensely about our bodies, what do you think he'd be saying about our phones and laptops and technology that's causing us to stumble? He would be saying, gouge it out, cut it off, throw it away. The priests of the Old Testament understood the importance of purifying their ark, right? Every year on the Day of Atonement, they would sprinkle the blood of an innocent animal on the ark to purify it once again. Obviously not cleaning it physically, it got more dirty, but spiritually cleaning it. They understood the importance of this, to keep their ark pure, continually coming back. Maybe today, the best thing you could do for your spiritual vitality is delete some apps or accounts or photos or messages or even songs maybe which aren't glorifying to God. I don't need to tell you. You know what it is. God's speaking to you right now about that. The thing that you've become a slave to needs to be gouged out, cut off and thrown away in the name of Jesus. Deleting a couple of apps has been, again, one of the best decisions I've actually made for my spiritual vitality in the last couple of years. A couple of apps that were just time vacuums, just sucking any sort of free moment that I had away from an opportunity to read a bit of the Word, to listen to a song of worship, to listen to a sermon. What are you carrying around on your phone right now that's holding you back in your spiritual walk? What are you carrying in your little ark right now that's holding you in the wilderness and stopping you from entering the promised land? Maybe you've just become a slave to technology in general. And maybe the best thing for your spiritual vitality is to do a tech fast. Maybe that looks like just turning it off when you get home. Maybe it looks like going a whole weekend without your phone, 48 hours. I mean, how did they do it 20 years ago? Crazy. Or maybe it's a more severe fast. Maybe that's the best thing that you could do for your spiritual vitality, to go on a bit of a tech fast this week. Maybe even do it with your spouse or your mate or your friend. So I want to end today with a challenge in these next few moments to make your phone more holy. And uh, could I get the team up? Going to create a little opportunity to consecrate our little arcs today in the eyes of the Lord right now. Make it a tool which serves you rather than something that you're serving. I'm going to give you just a moment of reflection as Grovesy just plays for a little bit. 
to just sit in God's presence and really ask yourself, is there an existing app that God wants me to use better? In this time of reflection, start actively doing that right now. Whether it's creating some folders on notes, whether it's putting that 2pm reminder in your phone, whatever it might be. Is there a new app that God wants you to download to encourage better spiritual vitality? Is there something that really needs to be deleted, that needs to be consecrated, purified, gouged out, cut off, thrown away out of your little ark? And maybe would a tech fast this week be helpful? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that we live in an age that we are blessed with tools to help us flourish spiritually. Lord, we thank you for the resources that are out there. We thank you for the unlimited capabilities we have to connect with you in so many different ways. But Lord, right now, as we sit in your presence, I pray for your spirit to convict us, to counsel us, to minister to us in what we can best do to ensure that the little arcs that we carry around with us each day are serving us so we can serve you. Speak to us now, God. We open our hearts, our ears, our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.